So many of you uh, might be able to resonate with this, but uh, I have a dog, and many of you guys have animals, whether it's cats or dogs, or, or, or I have a friend who has a pet iguana. Uh, and so uh, I like to, to brag about my dog oftentimes. And for those of you that have children, uh, you might uh, do the same thing. I don't have children. And so my child is my dog and I get to brag about her, how smart and how intelligent, how incredible she is. Uh, and, and I take most pride in the fact that I have trained her that when she's in the front lawn, uh, she cannot go out into the street. Uh, and so she knows that when I let her out, she can play, she can run around, I'll throw balls and, and you know, I'll do whatever, but she will not go across the street. I'll even throw the ball and it'll get close to the street and she'll just not even get the ball because she knows that she is not to go across the street. Now, for whatever it was, a couple weeks ago, uh, she may have seen something, something may have got her attention, but out of nowhere, as we were playing, she runs and lo and behold, she runs towards the street. And I just remember my heart just sinking and I'm chasing after her because as she's going towards the street, I see another car coming her way. And so I run over and I grab her and I grab her by the scruff, I grab her by the ear and I just saying, you know, like, no, no. And she knows she's in trouble. She knows that I'm upset. And so I pretty much drag her back home and at the same time, my heart was breaking because, you know, I, I thought I'd almost... Lost the dog. And so I brought her over, took her to the house, put her on her back, and she knew she was in trouble. Her tail was tucked in, uh, and she just looked so pathetic. She knew that she was in trouble. And I remember as I was doing that, it seemed as if I was angry. It seemed as if I was upset. And all indications would say that I probably was. But the, but the reality of it is, and the more accurate feeling that I had wasn't actually anger, it was actually care. It wasn't that I was so upset, so angry. It's just that I care and I love this animal so much that I thought it was going to die. And, I, you know, and it disobeyed me and, and all that. And so when I was evaluating what I was feeling and when my heart sang, when my heart started pacing really fast, it wasn't that I was so angry with her. It was that I was being caring. <laughs> she may not agree at the time, but loving and protective, and wanted what was best for her life, probably something that she doesn't know and that I know, and it's my responsibility to take care of her, and so I did. And, and, and so this kind of reminds me of this conversation we're having about Jonah, and, and I'll tell you something, I'll tell you this, this is my least favorite aspect of God that I like, that, that I need, have to teach, it's in the Bible, so I teach it, but it's the least favorite aspect of God that I like to share with people. Because when we read this scripture, it, it seems pretty obvious that there was a big storm that was headed to Jonah, that put Jonah's life in danger, and it's pretty clear that we can't get around the fact that the causation of the storm was God. In verse 4, it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break. This idea, this word sent, tool, is the Hebrew word. And the more accurate translation is hurled. And, and actually, this is the NIV that says sent, and RSV, my favorite translation, says hurled. And it's this word that they used in wartime when they hurled spears at their enemies. 
And so the notion here is that God didn't just send a storm. God didn't just say, well, hey, let's just make it rain. Or, hey, uh, you know, you're just going to have kind of a bad, bad, bad weather day today. No, it was pretty clear that what God did was like God violently and ferociously sent this big storm on Jonah and the ship as Jonah was running away from God. Remember last week, Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. Uh, and Jonah said, no, in fact, I'm going to go the opposite direction, and I'm going to grab a boat, and I'm going to go to Tarshish, which is exactly the opposite end of the earth in the known time. And as Jonah was going, God hurls this storm at Jonah in the ship. There's no doubt that this verse is saying that God is doing this. The reality is sometimes God course corrects our lives. We've experienced this. We've seen this. That sometimes God needs to do what God needs to do in order to get our attention. And sometimes those ways of grabbing our attention, convicting us, changing our hearts, changing our minds, changing our our directions can oftentimes be painful, can oftentimes cause heartache. But know that the story of Jonah is saying it's out of love and compassioning and a beckoning to return. A beckoning to turn from Jonah's ways and to head towards what God has created Jonah to be. Because at that very time, Jonah was running away, not just from a job that God has called him to do, but this calling and identity that that Jonah has become, he's running away from it. When you run away from your calling, your identity, and who you are, and how God created you, you are running away towards a, a, a metaphorical death instead of thriving in your life. And what God is saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you back. And that's what's happening. Now, here's what I want to say with a caveat, is that what I'm saying is, or what I'm not saying is that every bad thing, every tragedy, every violence, every hurt, pain comes from God. Because that's not the truth. The message here is that sometimes God will do what it takes to bring you back. We've seen that. We've experienced that. And sometimes it's not God. It's the evil in people's hearts and actions due to the free will that we've been given. An example of that is what happened, the tragedies, the violence that happened this week. The violence that we have probably not heard about, but happens all over the country and the world. Those are examples of of not God's doing. And I just want you to hear that because there's so much lies, especially in the media and maybe particular convictions and beliefs. And I just want to tell you that things like that are not of God. It is not of God. It is the opposite of God. But God still cares and God still mourns. And God still uses to do something. I was just listening to the radio on the way here. And, and of course, nobody would want any of these instances to happen, especially in El Paso, what happened there and Dayton and, uh, and Gilroy. But in El Paso, after the tragedy, I know there's kids in here, so I won't say too much, but after the tragedy, there was a kind of an SOS to the community saying, hey, we need blood, so come to the local you know, blood drive and, and donate blood. And they said there was hundreds and hundreds of people just gathered around the corner 
because they came together. And on the radio, they said it didn't matter their creed, it didn't matter their ethnic background, it didn't matter their socioeconomic. Uh, in El Paso, everybody came together to donate. In addition to that, not only did they all come together to donate, they stood in line. There were other volunteers after giving that went to go get pizza and delivered to everybody in line that were already waiting hours to give blood. And so I'm not saying that every evil, every tragedy uh, is authored by God because oftentimes and many times it's authored by the evil in people's hearts. But yet even out of both, God is in it because here God is trying to bring you back. Here is God's comforting. At the end of the day, God is bringing all of us back and sometimes it's in a painful way. What's interesting is that you see the reactions of of different people in this story. It says that uh, the other sailors, they went and they started praying to their God, their own gods, like, God, save us, or whoever their God is, save us that we wouldn't die. That we wouldn't die, save us. In, 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 In ancient history, the thing that we have to remember is that there's two definitions that we work around. Monotheism is a belief in the existence of one God. Contrary to popular belief, this was not the belief in in ancient Judaism. In fact, uh, they were all, most of them, were monolatrism. It's a belief in the existence of many gods. But one is most powerful. So monotheism didn't really exist in the Old Testament. I know people say that and share that, and that's what distincts us from other religions. And I believe that's true, especially today. But in the Old Testament, they were all monolatristic. Meaning they are, even the, the most devout Jew, Hebrew, would say, yes, I believe that many gods exist, but Yahweh is the most powerful God. And so everybody was reaching out to their God, and Jonah was probably thinking, all right, I'm sure one of the other gods got this. All right, one of the other gods got this. I don't know. I'm going to check out. I'm going to go down and fall asleep. When there's a big old storm, and when it says storm, it was probably like hurricane conditions that got hurled at the boat, and while everyone is saying, God, save us, save us, here's Jonah going down into the pit, falling asleep. And not only falling asleep, not resting his eyes, not just taking a little nap, it says that he fell into a deep sleep. You can almost sense a sense of apathy. Maybe Jonah just wanted to check out. You can also sense a sense of ambivalence that he didn't know what to do. He didn't care. Maybe death was better than the life that uh, he would have to endure going into Nineveh. Maybe he had a fight or flight situation and clearly he tried to fly away. And I love the response of the captain. The captain comes to Jonah and says, what are you doing? What are you doing? How can you sleep? How can you sleep on a time like this? And this is a part that really got my attention. This is a captain who is not a Jew, who probably believes in a pagan God, in this time of storm that God hurled, in a time of uh, immediate death, people are literally thinking they're going to die. 
They start throwing stuff over the ship. They start praying. And the captain goes to Jonah and says, get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Call on your God. This idea of call is this word, kara, to proclaim the excellence of the Lord. They have to understand when they say, what are you doing? Call on your God. Yes, that meant call as if you were actually calling somebody. God, God, where are you? I'm calling on you. But that, in this word, is in the framework of worship and praise in honoring of the person you are calling, knowing and believing that that God can do something. And I look at this story, and here, yes, it is God that is the one that's hurling a storm, but the same question occurs to all of us, is that whether God hurled it, whether it's due to evil of men and women, or other people, or groups, It's easy for us to be like Jonah. I know I'm like Jonah. I just want to get away. I just want to go to sleep. I just want to pretend it never happened. I just want to, you know, do anything else but think of the storm that I'm in. And I wish during those times someone comes up to me and says, what are you doing? Call on your God. See, everyone else is calling on their God. And if I'm being really honest with you, I bet we all call on our God. We do. During times of storm, I bet we all call on our God. Unfortunately, many times it's the wrong God. And nothing good happens. No solution happens. And you start panicking. You start panicking like, okay, now you call on your God. Now, Jonah, you call on your God. Because for the most part, when we call on our God, it's the God of money. It's the God of wealth. It's a God of of upward mobility. It's a God of other relationships. It's a God of ourselves. We say, you know what? I'm going to get myself out of this. I'm going to do this. I can do it. And Jonah is saying, call on your God. Or the captain is saying, Jonah, call on your God. Call on your God. And I love this idea that, stay with me now, that God is the one that called the winds and the storms to come upon the ship. God hurled the storm. Now we can write this off as something we hate reading. We can write this off as something that, personally, I hate teaching because God did it. But what if there's another way of looking at it? What if there's a way to look at it that says, This is actually good news. The winds and the hurricane obeyed God. The strong winds that had the power to shake the boat, to to perchance even take lives, the fear, the, the, the strength, the power in the waves and the wind, that was because God said so. In other words, God is in control even during the storm. God is in control of the storms. That God is in control. And so I promised I was going to cut this short, and I'm going to do that. But as we do that, I'm going to invite the band to to come back up. 
And in our extended time of worship, what are the storms that you believe that maybe God has hurled at you to get your attention because we have strayed away from worshiping God, from being connected with God? Or maybe you're going through a different storm that wasn't hurled by God, but it was hurled by other people, and all you know is that you're in this mess, and you just want, like Jonah, to go to sleep. And we say, call on your God. And so I want to I have us do a couple things. Will you... If you feel comfortable doing this, just in the next couple minutes, can we break up into groups of, don't do this quite yet, twos or threes or four, and you don't even have to pray if you don't feel comfortable. You can say pass. Someone can pray for the group, one person, or take turns. Can we pray for our friends, our brothers and sisters? And Gilroy... El Paso in Dayton that that is not a faraway situation that is not distance I want to I want us to know that we can remove distance because distance again I've said this before is a privilege that we need to knock away I've said that I've heard that I've had that sung on me and upon me. And I just want to pray for that, for our community, that distance is a privilege. And the song goes out, we must surrender. May we do that. Just take a couple minutes, will you just pray? Let's just pray. I don't know what the prayer is. Maybe you just allow someone else to pray for the group or for you on your behalf. And then after that, we're going to continue singing. And may be a time where we say, God, in this storm, name that storm, whatever that is, I call upon your name. May we do that, may we do that faithfully. Let's pray together, break up into those groups.